0: singer Shulam Lemmer, performing at Monday's online worldwide Chabad Lubavitch Farbrengen or Joyous Gathering, to mark the 27th anniversary of the death of the last Lubavitch Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. He died June 13, 1994. And the annual memorial is marked according to the Hebrew calendar, the third day of the month of Tammuz, Chabad calls it Gimel Tammuz. It's customary on this day for Chabad followers to actually visit Schneerson's gravesite outside New York. It's called the Ohel, where they leave letters and prayer notes for him. That's what one prominent Canadian Chabad leader yearned to do. But due to COVID restrictions, Rabbi Mendel Kaplan of the Thornhill, Ontario, Flamingo Congregation spent the day on this side of the border, teaching and spreading his beloved Rebbe's wisdom, including live on his YouTube channel.
1: And the Rebbe says to him, Aid frechnished was sein. A Jew doesn't ask what will be. Aid frekt was A Jew asks, what can I do?
0: I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. The title of the Chabad live-streamed event was Unfazed, and speakers, including Eli Wiesel's son, Elisha, talked about how the teachings of the Chabad Rebbe helped them live better Jewish lives. The event is especially timely because North America is reopening after more than a full year under COVID. Coming up, Rabbi Mendel Kaplan of the Thornhill Flamingo Congregation north of Toronto shares personal stories of getting COVID, meeting the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and how the message of the Rebbe can inspire Jewish people who are struggling to move ahead in a post-COVID world. But first, here's what's making news in Canada right now. Remember the former Green Party Member of Parliament with pro-Palestinian sympathies who crossed the floor and joined Justin Trudeau's Liberals last week? Well, now Jenica Atwin has dialed back her accusations that Israel is a, quote, apartheid state. Atwin represents a riding in Fredericton. On Monday, she issued a statement saying she was just trying to show support for Palestinian people who are hurting. But now she realizes Israelis and their families here in Canada were also hurting and she pledged to learn more about the whole Middle East issue now that she's a liberal. She condemned anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, and repeated the Liberal Party policy that there should be a two-state solution. The statement comes after the minority liberals were roasted in the House of Commons and elsewhere over the weekend for trying to shore up their numbers by accepting Atwin, despite her obviously anti-Israel stance, which goes against party lines. In Montreal, police are investigating after a kosher restaurant in the Ville-Saint-Laurent neighborhood called Chez Benny had the front door smashed in, and there was an attempt to set the place on fire. Both B'nai B'rith and Sija say the incident is being looked at as a hate crime. The owner told B'nai B'rith he plans to reopen on Wednesday. <laughs> The online Chabad concert for the Rebbe's site marks two important milestones for Rabbi Mendel Kaplan. It's the second Gimel Tammuz in a row. He hasn't been able to travel and pray at the rabbi's grave. And it's a year after Kaplan himself and his family came down with COVID. All of them have now recovered. Rabbi Kaplan joins me now to tell us about his own experiences and how the Rebbe helped.
1: Last year March, I had COVID myself. Um, and it was not fun. I, I had a really <laughs> I had a really intense bout of it. My wife was even sicker than I was. We uh, we came back from from Berlin, In the end of March. We left to Berlin. The show was still open, and the world was still normal. It was a day after Purim, and everything. All the dominoes started to fall. So and, you, you know, nobody... your
0: wife, your children.
1: Well, my children all tested for antibodies, and I have a uh, I have a son who lost his taste, and it's still something that vexes him, but no, none of them were really sick.
0: Um, so you said that many people, some people got COVID, a few that you know of, but what about um, having synagogues, services, weddings, uh, Pesach, port, like what, how did you guys manage?
1: Right, so I, I have to tell you like, virtually everybody in, 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 our, in our community uses Zoom and is you know, in, in touch with, 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 with technology. Um, we did it much like everybody else, with I guess with our own unique take. It was it was the most debilitating part of COVID was not the illness itself. It was that which came along with the illness. It was the social distancing. It was the it was the isolation. It was it was the people not being able to come together. That was far more debilitating, far more painful, and exacted a far greater price than the actual illness itself. Um, how did we cope? It was you know every month was different. And uh, it was it was, it was challenging. It was very challenging. I, from the moment I recovered, I tried to be on Zoom every single day. I reoriented the way I interact. I, I opened the YouTube channel, which today passed the 330,000 mark, which is nice. <laughs> and and I, 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 I'm teaching. I'm using Facebook. I'm using Twitter. I use YouTube. I ch- try to use that medium. Um, as soon as we could have services, we did have services. And we've, we've done everything we could with the limitations that we've had to the best of our ability, I think. And it has been difficult. For those who found the gumption and courage to attach themselves to things going on, I think they were enriched. I think they were uplifted. Many people have simply become attenuated. Their connections have weakened and they've fallen off the wagon. Uh, you know, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur was a difficult, difficult time. Some people didn't come at all. Some people came outdoors for a very short amount of time. And, and there's been a devastating price exacted. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm very much concerned and I don't wanna say worried, but I'm motivated with a concern of how we rebuild Jewish life and how we get people back together again. Uh, this has been a, a probably the most tumultuous and difficult period in our lifetimes. And and, and recovering from it is, is not going to be simple, uh, but like everything else, we're not gonna be phased. <laughs> we're gonna maintain a positive attitude We're going to believe in the eternity of the Jewish people and the eternity of everyone's neshama. I know that under the surface of the hibernation, there beats a very, very vibrant Jewish spirit and heart, and I have to find a way to get through to it. Um, I believe that uh, the Rebbe spirit continues to live on with us and amongst us and through us. And uh, he's very, very much a part of my life, and I think very much a part of the life of my community. And listen, I I, I live with... uh, the faith of that reality and the optimism and the anticipation that the present reality will change very soon and that we are on the threshold of a, an absolute, wonderful, transformative moment in history where Mashiach will finally come and the world will become the beautiful, godly, and goodly place it was always destined to be.
0: You know, I have sought this picture of you praying from 2015 near his gravesite. right. Tell us about that experience.
1: My earliest memory of the Rebbe is in 1976. Um, I'm five years old, and the Rebbe was giving dimes for Hanukkah to the children. And the Rebbe was always much larger than life to me. It was just, I, I, was, I was in absolute awe uh, of the Rebbe. So I, as a child, I, my memory begins from the age of six. And I see the Rebbe often my parents came to, to to New York on a regular basis. I had never heard anybody else blow the chauffeur. Let's put it that way. Like my, all my childhood, all, every high holidays, we were in Civil 70 at the Rebbe Shul. And from the age of 12, I saw the Rebbe almost on a daily basis, straight through to my 20th birthday. Um, I, I recently saw a picture. I actually posted it on Facebook just on Friday, a picture of me... Um, At an an occasion where the rebbe was davening, leading the services in the smaller shul upstairs, and it was very tightly packed, and I'm I'm a teenager, I'm like leaning in, I'm literally three feet away from the rebbe, and it really like, uh, if your question is that I that I feel a very a very very personal connection to the rebbe, yes, yes, and and I cannot explain to you why a a teenage American boy um, loved this man so much, why why I was prepared to dedicate my whole life, to move anywhere in the world and do whatever it would take. To me, the greatest dream was to be a shliach, to be part of the Rebbe's army. And that's, I would have sacrificed to have given anything for it. And, and that that's the most important thing for me.
0: Speaking of which, you, you did go pray at his grave in 2015. Is that right, the only but, time you've been so, at his grave or so, you've been there many right. times?
1: So, so I, that's how we got into this conversation. So the most difficult thing of the whole COVID lockdown for me was actually the notion that I haven't been able to travel regularly to visit... Uh, the Rebbe's grave. I have to tell you that, as a rule, I would be at the Rebbe's grave almost every month. So people from my community would, you know, we we fly out in the morning. Right now, right here in Toronto, right? we fly out in the morning. Um, we'd oftentimes um, go to the ohel, we'd we'd pray and come home to Toronto. Uh, many many of the times, I I didn't even visit my parents. I never have time for anything. I go by days, hardly eating, and yet I always had time to go to the ohel, and I never felt I, I lost that time. It was it was the most powerful spiritual kickstart that I was able to get. I'm very, very much able to do what I was able to do, I feel, because I got that infusion of strength. And I have to tell you that not being able to go to the oil, in fact, being here on Gimel Thomas on the Rebbe's yard side is, I mean, it's like debilitating. Last year, I literally was demoralized by it. I guess this year, after 15 to 16 months of this, I just learned to cope with things. So I'm, I'm trying to keep myself busy today and do as many good things as I can. Uh, things that I believe the would want me to do. But, but it's, that for me is the most difficult thing. I, I have found tremendous strength in visiting that sacred resting site.
0: So Gimel Tammuz, the significance of Gimel Tammuz this year uh, is because it's happening as we're coming at the end of COVID. What does the title unfazed um, mean to the community?
1: There's this, there's this, uh, persistent Jewish belief that there are no accidents and the reason that uh, Hashem in his infinite wisdom, God placed you and me in this particular geography, in this particular time in history is not an accident and that we have to ask ourselves, what is expected of us? How could we do our unique part in making the world a better place in, in repairing Hashem's world and preparing it for the coming of Mashiach? Are we going to be simply reactive Are we going to deal with circumstances as they come our way, if and when they come our way? Or are we going to have clarity of vision? And despite whatever seems to get in the way or seems to serve as an obstacle, are we going to continue? The Rebbe follows the famous Torah tradition of being unfazed.
0: The New York Times says COVID has killed over 1,800 Jewish people so far, including from the ultra-Orthodox community. In some parts of Canada and in the U.S. and Israel, some ultra-Orthodox Jews continued to hold large classes, attend large gatherings for weddings and funerals, all despite COVID regulations. Rabbi Kaplan did warn his community to follow the rules, to stay socially distanced, and not to get together for Passover. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily. Sponsored by Metropia, integrity, community, quality, and customer care. If you have a story about interactions with the Chabad Rebbe, drop us an email. I'm at ebesner at the cjn.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll close with some more of the Verbrengen performance with violinist Itzhak Perlman joining the singer Shulam Lemmer with a rendition of Raisins and Almonds. <laughs>